Welcome to the Eden Podcast, where we think again about the Bible on women and men, and we start with a correct understanding of what happened in the Garden of Eden back in the beginning. The work of the True 316 Foundation is based on the research of Dr. Joy Fleming, who wrote the book Man and Woman in Biblical Unity, Theology from Genesis 2 to 3. Listeners like you are joining us as members of the True 316 Foundation and support the work to true the verse of Genesis 316 and the seven key passages on women and men. It turns out, when Genesis 316 becomes clear, all the other passages become clear too. You can learn more at our website, true316.com. That's tru316.com. And at the end of this episode, we'll tell you about a special gift we have for new members. And now, Enjoy today's episode of the Eden Podcast. For season 11 on the Eden Podcast, we're going back in time and playing audio that we've never played for you before. I was doing a private Zoom series of sessions with a number of students, and I used PowerPoint slides that I referred to as we went along. You can see these presentations in full on our YouTube channel, I'd love to have you subscribe. It's simply True316. That's T-R-U-316. And now, let's get started. Welcome to Think Again Workshop. This session is Think Again About Adam. And I'm your instructor, Bruce C.E. Fleming. When we talk about Adam, he lived a long time ago. In a world far, far away, people like to make up stories about what happened in the beginning because there's only two, maybe three short chapters in the Bible that talk about with details what happened in the beginning. And what happens is that people keep adding details. I just listened to a a children's broadcast I picked up on the uh, internet, and they were talking about uh, what happened in the Garden of Eden. And... And the the nice, warm-hearted teacher added all kinds of details that aren't in Genesis at all. They're not anywhere else that I found in the Bible. I have a picture here of a manger scene from Holland. It's a sweet manger scene. There's the lady, there's Mary with her little white Dutch cap. And there's Joseph, and he they're both wearing uh, wooden shoes. And little baby Jesus is in the manger, and they're placed in front of a windmill. I don't think that's how it really happened in Nazareth or in Bethlehem or in Jerusalem or any place in Israel in those days. When I made several trips to uh, Bethlehem, they didn't show us any pictures of windmills. Sometimes people just draw pictures of what's around them. And um, what was around the cute people that put together this manger scene was a number of windmills. Sometimes when people tell stories about the Garden of Eden, they're just adding details that come from their ignorance. Sometimes, however, they show their prejudice. And the story I was listening to today showed a lot of prejudice against, uh, specifically in this case, it was against Eve. In our last sessions, we talked about how Genesis 3.16, God's words to the women, to the women, have been modified, added to, and uh, frankly, have been turned upside down. And that's why we're sponsored by www.true316, tru316.com. And the True 316 Project is to help people understand what the Hebrew version of Genesis 316a really says, and to clean up 
translations that are all over the world, new ones every day in various languages that have been getting the, the first lines, the first line in Genesis 3.16 wrong. And it's our prayer that more and more people will join us until we get that fixed. Part of understanding that is to know what happened about Adam in the Garden of Eden. So let's think again about Adam. What do we know about Adam? Well, we know that he didn't have windmills there. Here's a picture of a young guy. He's 17 years old. He's on the newspaper staff of his high school paper, and he's got a picture here in the yearbook. You could come up with a story about him just look from looking at the picture, but I don't know you'd get very close to the truth. Now, I could tell you about him. I was there. I was him. <laughs> That's me when I was 17. Yeah, thank you. Like the, the V-neck sweater there? Well, people can make up stories about what I did when I was 17. And people have made up stories about the first man, Adam, what he did when he was 17 hours old. The only way we're going to find out what happened is we're going to go back to somebody who was there. God knew him then. God was there. And God has told us what happened to the man in the Garden of Eden. Adam alone? No, there were two. And according to Genesis chapter 1, the word Adam is used. And in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, the man and the woman are referred to very simply. God uses the word Adam to refer to the man and the woman. So translators have a little bit of a trouble. How do we, how do we say this? Let's make man in our image. Let's make human in our image. Let's make Adam in our image. Well, then it seems like it's just the man. But chapter 1, verse 26 says this, let us make Adam in our image. And verse 27, male, Sakar, and female, Nekabah, God created them. In the beginning, man and woman shared in a number of things. The image of God, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. The charge to be fruitful and multiply, 128. The mandate to rule over the world, 126 to 31. The enjoyment of God's bounty in Eden, chapter 2 in Genesis. And even in the name, Adam, specified in Genesis 5, 2. There's been a lot written recently about uh, the image of God and how man and woman are image bearers. It's great work and worth looking into. The charge to be fruitful and multiply is given to both the man and the woman. And the mandate to rule over the world is given to both of them. I was interviewed recently on a podcast, and uh, after talking about these points, one of the co-hosts said, well, I always thought more that uh, the woman was in charge of the multiplying and the man was in charge of the ruling. She was being facetious, but I think too many people have thought that. No, it was the man and the woman. Image of God charged to be fruitful and multiply, mandate to rule over the world, the enjoyment of God's bounty in Eden, and even in the name, Adam. Here's some more details now that we're filling in. As we get to Genesis chapter 2, we have details of day 6. The man was created from the dust of the earth. Uh, Garden of Eden didn't exist at that point. So when he was awake and walking around, he saw what the earth was like then. Pre-curse, but he got to see what the earth was like. And then God made the garden and placed him there. What did man think about uh, 
this special place? Well, I think he could tell very easily that it was special. It was different. It, it was filled with all of these trees, and it was a place to work. Then right away, God gave him the prohibition. You can eat any of these trees, the fruit that's there, just don't eat from that one tree. God created another human to be his partner, and they were married by God in the Garden of Eden. From dust, the name Adam is actually a play on the word for ground or earth. Adam, or human, is made in 2.7 from Adama, which means the ground. I had a professor who joked about this, and he says, well, the earthling is made from the earth. The man is created before the garden is planted in Eden. The man learns from God that he's to cultivate the garden and keep it. We're moving through chapter 2, verses 8, 9 through 15. God's first recorded words to the man in 16 and 17 are his command. I'll read it. From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. I had, I had difficulties in preparing this lesson because every time I did, I heard Sunday school songs or I had pictures of little plays that we did at church camp or uh, I heard words from sermons that talked about Genesis chapter 2. And a lot of these pictures were different from the reality, and it, it just kept echoing there. I, they, these verses felt so familiar that it was hard to study them and look at them. But we have to focus. We have to think again. It was not good for the man to be alone, so God created another human to be his partner from his rib or his side chamber. And this partner was des, des, uh, described as the Ezer Konegdo. The word Ezer can be described as help. And anybody who is your easer can come to your help because they're coming from a position of strength. They're, they have excess strength, and they can give you all the strength that you want. Out of 21 occasions, two of them being here in Genesis 2, uh, almost all of them are about God or somebody stronger helping you. In Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains all around me, and on the mountains I see all of these false gods and idols that they've put up on these mountains, says the psalmist going up to worship in Jerusalem on top of Mount Zion, where the temple is. Is this where my help comes? No. My help comes from the one true God, maker of heaven and earth, not the one that's in charge of that mountain or the one that's in charge of the other mountain. And there God is described as Ezer. Konegdo means in Hebrew, basically, face-to-face. -face. So there they are, standing in the Garden of Eden, face-to-face, -face, in love with each other, delighted by each other. We don't have one in front of the other. We don't even have them standing side by side. But they're designed and they're described as being face-to-face. -face. They were not united by God in the Garden of Eden. To Mary, then, a description is given in verses 24 and 25. And we all are given the example of Adam and Eve in the garden, in the presence of God, brought together by God himself, both of them knowing God. Each one individually knew God first. The man was alone in the garden, and he knew God and walked with God. The man, put, the man was put to sleep, and when the woman woke up, she knew God. There was somebody sleeping over there, but they had fellowship time face-to-face, -face, the woman and the man. 
So this new husband and new wife-to-be each knew God on their own, and then God led them and brought them together very clearly, and they were married. So on top of the example of how Adam and Eve were married, then we have three things spelled out. The man is to leave his parents. Now, if you leave somebody in this way, they know about it, and so do all the neighbors. If we wonder in our different cultures, how are we supposed to get married? Well, to leave is a public event. How the event is public and where it's done and what kind of clothes we're wearing is not described, but the public event is important. Secondly, the man will cleave or unite. I have to define that word by going to another Bible passage where it's spelled out much more clearly. In Ruth chapter 1, verses 14 and 16 through 17, in 14 it says that it uses the verb that, that Ruth clung, cleaved, united with Naomi. And then she said, your God will be my God, your people will be my people, where you go, I will go, and until death do us part. And then three, every couple is to become one emotionally and physically. And of course, they were both virgins when they got married. Then we look at the big picture of Genesis 2 and 3. If you look at the bell curve drawing that we have in our book here, what we've been talking about in Genesis 2 was God at work, and things are starting from baseline and getting better and better and more complex and more complete until we get up to verse 25, which is the summit of creation. But then we have a downhill slide starting with verse 1 of chapter 3 all the way down until they're gone. So at the beginning, they're not even in Eden, and at the end, they're not in Eden anymore either. I'll spell them out. Uh, 2, 5 through 15 is the first section. God creates the man and places him in Eden. In section B, which is 2, 16 to 17, God gives his command to obey. Uh, the command to obey was, don't eat from that tree. In C, 2, 18 to 24, God works to complete humanity. And in D, 2, 25, we have the ideal couple. I have that grayed out because we've covered that. Now the rest is in bold. C prime, we have the deceiver works to destroy humanity. God had worked to complete humanity. Deceiver works to destroy humanity. In B prime, in B, we got the command to obey. And in three, six to seven, God's command is disobeyed. God created the man and placed him in Eden. In A, and in A prime, three, eight to 24, we have the results of disobedience and the expulsion from Eden. All of this is built in a structured way. We'll talk about it a little bit more. So starting in Genesis 3, we have, well, a lot of people like to call Genesis 2 creation and Genesis 3 fall. But Genesis 3 is much more than that. It's the attack. Satan goes on the attack. After day six now, we have chapter 3. Both were attacked by the serpent tempter. We saw, and think again about Eve, that when Eve was, was approached by the serpent tempter, and he used a plural verb, it was like saying, you both, in the day that you both eat, you both will, you both. They both were there. This was, this was their honeymoon. Of course, they're staying at the, the Garden of Eden bed and breakfast. They're, they're doing everything together. They're both there looking at that tree, and the serpent tempter is talking to them. Animals maybe didn't talk then, but this one did, and they both listened to it. The man was not deceived. 
but he willfully rebelled. He wrought havoc with the facts when God said, what did you do? He pointed to the woman and to God, and he talked about himself. Some people said, well, you know, Adam was supposed to be in charge of them both, and he was the responsible person for them both. Well, if he was, he sure wasn't in Genesis 3.10. I, I did this, and I did that, and I, I, I was naked. That's a new word, naked. God addressed him when he talked to them about this in the same way as he talked about, as he talked to the serpent tempter. Thanks for listening to the Eden Podcast, brought to you by the members of the True 316 Foundation. Research into the Old and New Testaments by Dr. Joy Fleming and Reverend Bruce C.E. Fleming forms the base of all our work. Joy is a former Old Testament professor and is a practicing licensed psychologist. Bruce is the author of the Eden Book series, which starts with Book 1, The Book of Eden, Genesis 2-3. to we invite you to become a donor member of the True 316 Foundation as together we seek to true the verse of Genesis 316 and related passages. When you become a member, we'll send you an autographed copy of the Book of Eden. Sign up today by going to true316.com member. That's tru316.com member.